Um, I went on my first ever mastermind retreat this weekend. Explain to me what that is. Yeah. Somebody asked if it, cause an INTJ is like a mm. mastermind. Yeah. And so somebody was like, is it just a bunch of INTJs getting together? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that'd be very awkward for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's basically, I think mastermind retreats are something that has been in the business vernacular for a long time. Um, but basically you gather with a group of people who preferably I think are in different industries from you and you essentially focus group your business oh, okay. and you get ideas and feedback and you talk about growth and sustainability and, um, marketing and all kinds of stuff. And so that was this weekend. I had met two of the six women I was with two, I guess six, including me. I'd met two of them. Um, everybody else was a stranger. Uh, but I really had a great time and I, I learned so much, but I thought it was very fun. The first night uh, we sat down to dinner together. That was that picture you saw. Yeah. And underneath each person's plate was a conversation question mm. that we all had to answer. Um, and they were they went in order pretty much from, and I thought this was very smart of the woman who helped organize it. They started like kind of basic, like almost silly kind of questions. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we had worked our way to the last question, it was pretty meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like um, name a leader you admire and respect and tell us why. Uh, what's a compliment you've been paid that made you look at yourself differently? Um, but the first question, which I thought was a great icebreaker question, and I never thought of it before, was um, what is the first concert you ever mm. went to? And then she played, like in the background for the rest of the dinner party, a song from each person's... Um, gotcha, that's the Jodie Messina yes, question. Yes, and okay. I thought it was hilarious because it gives you... You don't realize what insight that gives you right. automatically into a group of people. Oh, yeah, totally. So I so I want to know yours, but also I thought it was hilarious. I think this will give you get, give you an idea of who I was with this weekend. I, it just, I just got a kick out of it. Like, the first girl was like... Oh, I think my first concert was um, Avalon. Oh. Like, evangelical. Like, oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Don't, doesn't that take you uh-huh. back? Um, somebody else said Rebecca St. James, okay. which made me laugh. Blink 182. Good. In sync. Um, mine was Jody Messina. Oh gosh. And there was somebody else's. It just, it felt like, okay. Like this, and you okay. get this deep yeah. sense. I know then. exactly how old everybody yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Like it gives you this deep sense of age and taste and mm-hmm. like, it just gives you some really funny insight into yeah. who you're with automatically. So, like, that was the first question, and immediately you feel both a kinship and also, I know exactly who you are. Like, it's a very funny question that I had... Yeah. I feel like I've discussed with people before. Yeah. But it's a good icebreaker question. Yeah, definitely. What's yours? The Dixie Chicks. Okay. I think you and I have talked about this we before. We have, yeah. Um, because I'm jealous of that answer. Mm-hmm. And it was 2003. It was like peak controversy time. Yeah. It was a great show. We talked about the Dixie Chicks at length because we were talking about concerts. And I think you and I, when you told me that, I like, I wish, and I think now that, um, I think they're recording a new album post yeah, Taylor Swift. they are. And so I'm just waiting for their tour because I would like to do that. Yeah. Because I missed them on their brief like reunion mm-hmm. thing they did. And that is a group I would love to see. Yeah. Then it was funny to hear... Um, I posted that question on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't even think intending people to answer, but I loved that they did. Like, I think oh, yeah. I just said, like, mine was Jodie Messina. Uh-huh. And it was hilarious. Look, some people 
again, it just, you could see people's ages and stuff, but super jealous of the woman who, uh, her first concert was Simon and Garfunkel. And I was like, excuse me? I was like, good for you. Oh my gosh. My, I don't have (laughs) regrets in life. Like it is what life is what it is. But one of my biggest regrets is I was friends with this girl who I still really like as a person, but like. She had her birthday weekend the same weekend as Jazz Fest. Mm. And that was a time when Jordan and I were going to Jazz Fest every year. Mm -hmm. And she wanted a birthday trip weekend. So Jazz Fest is two weekends long. Mm -hmm. So we picked the other weekend so that I could go to this girl's birthday party weekend in like Destin or something. Mm -hmm. And then they announced the lineup and Simon and Garfunkel was on the lineup. And I was mad. Yeah. I was like, and I still, that is a regret of mine. I feel that. Like, and then, but then somebody else um, said that their first concert was Peter, Paul, and Mary. And <laughs> oh I also goodness. thought that was delightful. My mom answered, and I did not know my, this is what I mean. It's a great question to ask because I've never obviously asked that of my parents. My mom's was Kenny Rogers at oh the opening of the Tallahassee Civic Center. Oh my goodness. He was the opening performer. <laughs> anyway, I. That's very Tallahassee. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. That's so funny. Anyway, you can just tell a lot about people it's a I great there you go this is a great icebreaker question it's a very good icebreaker use it as you see fit yeah Welcome to episode 247 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and it has been raining here like crazy. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Rainy downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Very. It finally looks like it might have subsided, but it's supposed to rain all day. But it's also super dark, and so if you hear rain or thunder while we're recording, just know that we're enjoying it. We we are. It's cozy. I'm excited because it's bringing colder weather yes. for Friday. It, it's been so nice. It has been nice. I was, though, I don't know what it was like here this weekend. I was in Birmingham mm. all weekend, and it rained nonstop. Mm. All, like, all from the moment we arrived to the moment we left. It was, like, a little... It's just been overcast. Okay. And not, like, raining, raining, okay. which is kind of the worst. I thought it was hilarious. That is my least favorite kind of weather. I thought it was hilarious that we... I drove north... And I don't know if you and I have talked since then, but I got a car. No, we haven't. I got a new car. You did? Yeah. Like a month ago. Great. Maybe. New yeah, no, because we haven't recorded since yeah. like October 3rd or something I got, like that. Um, so I drive it's a October Subaru 3rd. now. And when that I, follows. Yeah. When I was driving to Birmingham, the temperature kept increasing. And I was like, no, no. I'm supposed to go to Birmingham and it's supposed to feel like fall outside. Mm. And... It was raining so hard on, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, and I walked out the door of my in-law's house, and it was disgusting. Like, it looked like it was going to be cozy rain, Mm. and up north, that's, like, not that Birmingham is north, but it is more north. for us. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to walk out, and it's going to be, like, chilly rain. No, it was just like here. Gross. Like, just like here. And it is gross when it's raining. Yeah, Birmingham is just here with fall leaves. Yeah. Yes. It did not feel colder at all. Sunday morning when I left, it was chilly. Like, to me, Mm -hmm. chilly. I don't need it. That's the thing. I don't need it to be like... I'm not asking for 50 degrees. I'm asking for like 65. Right. And so, like, we're going to Colorado on our honeymoon at the end of November. Yeah. Which is going to be great. Yes. Except the temperatures this week have been like... It snowed. In the teens. Yeah, it snowed. I have a friend who lives in Boulder. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. Do you even have a tire appropriate for that? 
Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm renting a car there. <laughs> yeah, but oh, you... Oh, a tire. <laughs> you have clothes. No, I do not. <laughs> I'm like, what are you... Why, why are you suggesting sure that I'm driving to Colorado? Yeah, no. I do not. Okay, yeah. I feel um, like this sweatshirt is about the coldest jacket you own. Uh, no, and I, I do have warm... Maybe that blue jacket. I have that, it. my little windbreaker, um, but I've got... I've got some wool coats. Okay. Um, but they're like pea coats. Yes. And I'm like, is that? It's not Colorado. You'll, no. You'll look like you're from Boston. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, that, that doesn't seem right. I did it's get fine. boots. Okay. Um, I'm excited about my boots. Okay. We're not like going hiking. Right. But like, we're going to be outside. Yeah. Oh, fun. You'll, you guys are going to have a blast. Yeah, but it's going to be freezing. Yeah. That's okay. Stay inside. My, okay, somebody, gosh, some celebrity, I saw this like, you know, tweet or something. Wish I could remember to whom the credit is due. But basically, this woman was like, oh crap, what was her name? Anyway, she said that her idea of a vacation was, maybe it was Lupita Nyong'o. Anyway, she said her favorite vacation was a ski trip, but in which there was no skiing. I read this, yeah. Was it her? I don't think so. God, I thought it was. I thought it was. It, m- it might have been. But anyway, um. where she wants to go, but she just wants wants to sit by a fire. She sits by the fire and reads in the lodge while all of her friends go skiing. Yeah, yeah. I saw that and I was like, same. Yeah, that sounds delightful. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Um. So it is the end of the month. Um. Happy Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. The day. Yeah, the day. Happy Halloween. Happy everybody. Halloween, everybody. Um. I have a shirt I'll be wearing that says Hocus Pocus and it glows in the dark. I watched Hocus Pocus this weekend. Okay. My favorite Halloween movie. It's good. Um, we talked about, you just saw it recently, right? The first time last year, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Best Halloween movie. Um, I find it weirdly, um, I I like it. I think it holds up like mm-hmm. to the nostalgia. Yeah, it does. Totally. Um, but what I think I was surprised. <laughs> Knox and Jamie, I think, just did like a Patreon episode about Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why this is on my brain. But I remember while watching it, I looked at Jordan and I was like, well, I kind of understand why my parents maybe because didn't keep talking this. about Max being it's a virgin. so much over virgin and over, talk. over and over and over. And, and I'm the, like, he's 15. What do you expect? Yes. And then the parents are rather sexually oh, active. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, with the Madonna yes. costume was so good. And I don't recall, like, I could tell you movies my parents, like, prevented me from seeing. This mm-hmm. wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. I just don't think this was on the Butterworth Kids radar. Um... No, the last line in the movie is, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it's so weird. It yeah, so no, weird. you're you're not wrong. No. It's very, very strange. We will be watching on Halloween night, Halloween and Halloween 2, maybe? That's what we normally do. Those are do. the good ones. Yeah. Um, and then the, the new, new, new one. I thought the new one was really good. Yeah. Um, but and we it watched, ignores the rest of the series other than 1 and which 2, is which is great. We watched... We, I've seen Scream many times, but we finally watched Scream 2 and 3 this mm-hmm. weekend. Scream 2 has some redeeming I moments. I thought Scream 2 held up. Scream 3 was not my favorite, but as a trilogy, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Like, um, but we were dying laughing. It was our first time to watch Scream 2 and 3, and the number of like how many 90 stars they were able to pack in those movies is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just have a lot of fun like playing some kind of bingo 90s or something. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But it's the end of the month, so we're going to talk about what we read this month in addition to these scary movies that we watched. Yay! Um, I read The One, which I talked about the last time we recorded, which is The Remaking okay. um, by Clay McLeod Chapman. And it is it is what I pitched to you, where there's like an urban legend, 
told as an urban legend and then somebody makes a movie about this urban legend yes and somebody remakes the movie okay. in the 90s and then somebody makes a true crime podcast about like what really happened okay. what i didn't realize before i started is that it does really all follow one character okay and it's the little girl who plays the ghost in the movie in the second section of the book the okay. rest of the book follows her story okay and how being in this movie kind of ruined her life like linda blair yes oh exactly like linda blair okay um and so like that was fun the book is not exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. Um, it was not scary. Uh-huh. Um, it had a... I, I don't know. Um, it had it had its moments. I really liked the idea of it. Yeah. More than I liked the execution. But like, solid three and a half stars, I think. Okay. Um, it's not bad. Yeah. If you're interested in, in something that is really playing with form there, yeah. which I thought was really well done, like that aspect of it was great. God, I'm trying to remember the book I read years ago. I can picture the cover. Um, but it was basically... Per, envisioning it's a fictional book so it's envisioning like this true podcast true crime podcast goes viral you know like yeah. make oh i remember this you know, yeah like uh-huh. are you sleeping or yes that's was that the name was. of it um and then it kind of talks about the repercussions of the true crime format right. and what that does to the people who actually are victims of the crime right and i thought that was really interesting so maybe those could be companion books yeah and like maybe i was just i i think so i think those yeah. are definitely companion books um, I guess I was just thinking that it would be much more kind of supernaturally scarier yeah, than, and it, more than it was. Did you see the book? It looks like you to me. Uh, but the name of it is not Cosmetology, which is what I'm picturing. It's like, <laughs> it's got like a monster. People are going to yell. I, I hate when I can't come up with yeah. the name. But this is a, this is a conversational style podcast in which... Sometimes I don't write. We don't remember. I was about to say, and I did not write this down. I did not intend to talk about it. Um, but it's downstairs. It's a blue cover, and it's got like a monster hand on the front. Cosmo. Yeah, know I know about? what you're talking about. I wondered if you would like that. Probably. I. It sounded good. I think Kelsey and I put it on that Halloween end cap. Yeah, I was interested in reading a spooky book mm-hmm. this season. And now I look at my list and I didn't. I really wanted to read The Spellman Files. I yeah. had a lot of people mm-hmm. comment that said that was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may still do it. I'm just frustrated. I wanted to read um, Olivia's Shelf Subscription for October. Yeah, that which, also looked really good. really good. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I just didn't. East of Eden took up a big old chunk of my yeah, reading time. Yeah, it's a big boy. And um, I just didn't get to. And I have some other things that I was reading that took more time we'll talk about. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's what I read. Um, I continued in my 80s X-Men reading. I'm mm-hmm. up to 1985 now. Started okay. in 1975, and so I'm... You're I'm moving right along. Doing pretty all right. One decade at a time. Reading, a, you know, like two-ish issues a day, because they're dense. Yeah. A lot happens. That's so funny. Anyway, that is fun. I've had some listener questions about comics lately, which I'm always oh, yay. always happy to answer. Good. Um, so what did you read? I read, the first book I read was Meg and Joe. Uh, this is an arc. It comes out in December. Um, I believe she's going to do two books, Meg and Joe and then Beth and Amy. Okay. Um, so I know which one you prefer. Yes. So I will, <laughs> look, here's the thing. Retellings are always yeah, hit or miss for me. Totally. Um, I frequently reference that I loved Eligible by Curtis Settenfeld, which is the kind of reimagining of Pride and Prejudice. Right. Um, I feel pretty ambivalent about retellings in general, but I was curious about this. I love Little Women. Um, this is Little Women set in the modern era. Um, Joe is a food blogger and has, yeah, I like that. yeah, and has a job in New York where she is working at a restaurant and they don't know she's a food blogger and Chef Bear is the head chef. Gotcha. And so, and there's 
I will say there's this is clearly a this follows more romance format so there's more um, there are more maybe sexual scenes than you mm-hmm. might expect mm-hmm. from Little Women yeah uh, so just get ready uh, <laughs> prepare yourself for that and it was it's totally fine because I think it's on brand for who Joe might be in 2019 yeah um, I just As I kind of proto feminist character yes. like a 2019 version would be reclaiming sexuality exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I thought it totally made sense I also thought. Um, Meg's character made sense because Meg has always kind of gotten the short end of the stick to me and yeah. she still kind of does. Like she's this um, stay-at-home mom but who also is <laughs> yep. interested in accounting and um, she has this very steady husband who she loves. Some of her problems in the book uh, she to me brings on herself but I also find that true of Meg in the original. So I think this is a good retelling. Did I need it? I don't know. Um, However, That being said, I finished... And there was in the back an excerpt from Beth and Amy. Mm. And I definitely read it and definitely was like, oh, I'd read this. Like, <laughs> so I think I'll finish. It works, yeah. I think I'll finish it. Um, it got, like, I ranked it three and a half stars out of five. Like, I liked it. Yeah. Um, mostly, I think everybody should read it in preparation for the movie, which is really what I'm excited about. Yeah. I really want to just see yeah. Saoirse Ronan. We all want to see <laughs> Like, so I'm just, if you need something to tide you over between now and then, I think this is perfectly, perfectly good for what it is. Yeah. Meg and Joe. Um, I think, maybe we didn't, but I think we talked about Catch and Kill. You know why you thought that? Because I read she said. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> okay. I was like, I really, and, I did and, and we these. talked about how like, Catch and Kill is coming out next week yes. or whatever. That's that's exactly what happened. Yes. Okay, so tell me about Catch and Kill. Okay, so if you're only going to read one of these, and I'm going to be honest, I finished Catch and Kill and I was like, okay, done with this genre of literature for the time being. Yeah. Like, I can only take reading so yeah. much about sexual predators. Yeah, honestly. Um, but if you're going to read one of the two, I would recommend She Said. Now, Ronan Farrow, we all know, does mm-hmm. really intense investigative reporting. Catch and Kill is his telling of the Harvey Weinstein saga Mm -hmm. and I did not know obviously until news articles started coming out and until this book was about to be published that he had originally been reporting the Harvey Weinstein case for NBC and they shut it down they kind of shut it down so this gives some of that backstory which I really appreciated um also suggest heavily suggesting that the reason they shut it down was they knew they had their own sexual predator in their midst in Matt Lauer. Yes. Um, so you get a lot of inside scoop about NBC, which I find fascinating yeah, because totally. I was always an NBC viewer. Same. Um, I don't watch morning shows anymore, but I was a today show viewer. So like all of it felt very interesting. Um, it's interesting who really comes across as super bad and <laughs> terrible at their jobs Yeah. Uh, and terrible making terrible human decisions um, yeah. and who comes across as doing the best they could with a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this means I can still love Savannah Guthrie. It means I can still mostly question mark love Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw comes across as a newsman, though perhaps an out of touch one. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's been apparent in the past couple years. I think that follows. Like, I think we see that. Um, I do, I don't understand our world's insistence. I'm not saying, I'm just saying go retire in Montana. Yeah. Like, you have done an excellent job at what you did. You had a great career. You had a great career. Um, I feel that way about some presidential candidates. I just feel like, yeah. (laughs) Let's move on. We we don't, we don't need this. Yeah. We (laughs) we can move on. Um, anyway, here's what I will say. Catch and Kill goes too long, and here's why. It's huge. Here's why. Ronan Farrow, which, side note, did not know. You didn't know? Ronan Farrow dates John 
Yeah. Whatever his name is. So very into that. Very. Favreau. Yeah. Just love it. Um, I thought you were going to say you didn't know he's Mia, Mia Farrow's son. And I was like, oh, you no, didn't, I didn't know, that? know that? Okay, good. He looks just like I was like say, how could you not? Um, but no, w- here is the thing. There is too much in this book about Ronan Farrow's experience with basically black ops. Mm-hmm. Like basically Harvey Weinstein's people had people following mm-hmm. Uh, like basically like uh, it feels like Russian spies yeah. following Ronan Farrow. And I know that's supposed to feel, feel exciting and thrilling and scary. Mm-hmm. And it is scary. Like make no mistake. I, I fear for Ronan Farrow. I don't want him yeah. like, you know, in trouble. It just felt unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like every chapter kind of started with this random Russian spy <laughs> detail. And I was like, no, no, this is not what I'm here for. Doesn't he also several times talk about some movie that he didn't like? I saw a Twitter thread about this that's like, Ronan Farrow has a weird obsession with like, um, a movie that everybody thought was totally fine that he hated. Oh my gosh. It's a Natalie Portman movie. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't Um, matter, but now I'm curious because I read that whole dang book. Yeah. And and, and I'm like, what is it? He brings it up like six times as like this movie that wasn't very good. And it's just like a weird tick in the book. This is you and I have talked about this before. I think editors have gone MIA. Yeah, like it really seems like like it just feels like we didn't like who read this book and thought the spice of his great good job running Mm -hmm. because even like I've had a couple customers read the book and come back and say the exact same thing. Like I just feel like we don't we didn't need that. An editor could have caught and I didn't mind his personal references to Jackie. Yes, he does mention Jackie a lot. (laughs) No, that's so (laughs) true. I liked Jackie a lot. I thought it was no, he totally does. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, um, I liked it. I think if you only are going to read one, yeah, read She, read she Said. said um, which makes sense to me. Yeah, but but I also appreciated Catch and Kill. We don't need to talk at length about East no. of Eden because there's a whole episode about it. If you go back to the latest back, Backless Book Club episode that Annie recorded with Hunter, you have an entire 30-minute discussion about um, East of Eden. But I loved it. it's amazing. I it is it. one of the enduring classics of the 20th century did you read it? Have I've read, read it, yeah. Did you I read like it in college. It? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it really holds up. There's so much to chew on. Gosh, so much. <laughs> so much. You know, they somebody had pitched it to me like at a book club, I was a book club dinner. Um, you know, that it's the retelling. Uh-huh. It, not even retelling, but like a reimagining of the Genesis story. Yeah, it's it's inspired by And it totally is, but it's also so much more. Like there is yeah. so much to unpack. About America. Um, yes. And um I know there was some stuff at the beginning that maybe the stuff about the setting that Hunter and I were like, it got a little bogged down at first, but mostly this is a book where it felt like no editor needed. Like, yeah. like you needed the grandiosity of mm-hmm. the, of his descriptions. Right. And anyway, really loved it, but you can get all of our, you can get all of our thoughts and opinions on it at Just, uh, the other episode. Two episodes back. One episode? Two. Two episodes back. Um, all right. So the next thing is miracles and other reasonable things. This is by Sarah Bessie. Um, Sarah Bessie may be somebody that we kind of mentioned on our faith books episode. Um, I will go ahead and confess that I own all of Sarah Bessie's books, but I've never finished any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I brought home miracles and other reasonable things, really not knowing anything about it. Just saw that it was thin and was like, I like Sarah Bessie, but I've never actually read one of hers. Maybe now's the time. And then I picked it up. I think I read it over two days, but mostly read it on a Wednesday night in my, I call it Papa's big blue chair. It's like my granddad's <laughs> big blue chair that's ugly and sits in our bedroom. Um, and curled up and read it and sobbed. Uh, it is 
a really lovely look. I think primarily for a Christian audience, I do think you could enjoy it without that background knowledge. But I think most of who it's going to resonate with is with a Christian reader. Yeah, Um, that follows. And it is kind of about her. She had a horrible car accident and her having to get used basically to a new body. Mm. Um, and what that, the toll that took on her face and how she had really never thought very much about her body. And so there's some of that. There's also, she was raised charismatic Pentecostal Mm -hmm. and she gets invited to go meet the Pope. Oh. And, you know, the, basically her thought process between should she go or should she not based Mm -hmm. on her own conscious conscience. Um, and then when she does ultimately decide to go, the experience that she has there, the last chapter is about her trip to Prince Edward Island. Uh, so it felt very familiar. Yeah. Um, and some of what she talks about, about leaving her, um, some of the parts of her faith of her childhood behind felt very real to me. And so I adored this book. It is beautifully written and I do not say that lightly not all Christian lit is <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is truly beautiful writing and very thoughtful and thought provoking and I found it immensely comforting that's great um, I really liked it good tell me about 21 truths about love okay I'm just gonna go ahead I'm no spoilers but I am gonna just tell people what we say every year which is that December is a hard month for shelf subscriptions mm-hmm. because books stop being published mm-hmm. <laughs> um publishers like i think want you to go back and you know buy everything else that they've published all year long and so you will see some books published in december but not many yeah. so i'm always on the hunt for a good book for december shelf sub um but i read 21 truths about love by matthew dicks uh i had read one of his other books gosh i want to say like confessions of an imaginary friend or something like that i read it years ago pre-bookshelf and liked it um this book I thought was really unique in that it was all it was told all in lists. Oh. So an entire book in list format, which I thought would get old, but it really didn't. You do have to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit because some of the lists you're like nobody, nobody writes, writes lists. that down. Yeah, yeah, nobody writes this down. But I also think that had to do with his character. Okay. Um remember several years ago or a few years ago when the Rosie Project came out? Yes. Okay, so this protagonist feels very Rosie Project adjacent. Like maybe he's keeping lists for his mental health uh-huh. perhaps. And that and in fact that is insinuated toward the end of the book is that he's been keeping these lists for right. a reason. Because you do at some point think to yourself Wait a minute. Like, nobody Mm, writes this down. Um, But if you can suspend that, then I think you'll really get a kick out of how much you care about this person who you only know from his list. Um, So he is a bookstore owner. Um, There was a list toward the front of the book (laughs) about what he thought bookstore owning was going to be and then versus what it was. Mm. And I... Was it real? died laughing like I wept I laughed so hard um because it was so true um he is an interesting character because he is not someone I totally fell in love with like and the whole book is his perspective because it's just his lists um he's a bookstore owner financially strapped his wife is pregnant for the first time they're having their first kid and he gets in his brain, and this is why I say there's some Rosie Project stuff going on, because uh, he gets in his brain that the best way to make some money is to rob a bingo parlor. Good. And so there's some Ocean's Eleven-esque, like he goes and visits bingo parlors to try to figure out, like, how can I rob this place? He settles on, like, the DAR, like, because okay. that's the one that feels like he could get the most money and also <laughs> feel the least amount of guilt. And I'm just imagining Emily Gilmore yeah. in his bingo yes, parlor. Yes, exactly. So anyway, it... 
he, but he, some of his lists, you don't quite know if you like him. Mm-hmm. Like the, he says some things like one minute I loved him because he's a books runner. And then one minute I'd be like, Ugh, I don't know if I like you. Like, um, he just said some things that maybe rubbed me the wrong way. But then I thought, but wait, he's a character in a book. Right. He's not supposed to be idealized. Right. Like, he's supposed to be a person right and he obviously is dealing with some things like he's obviously going through something um so all in all very enjoyable particularly if you like epistolary novels books told in email format Mm -hmm. daisy jones and the six like Uh if you like kind of this kind of experimental this little bit of break yeah yeah, and you just want something to kind of fly through um i thought it was it was enjoyable 21 truths about love by matthew dix um the next one has a very interesting title to me um (laughs) do you mind if i cancel what a great title. What a great title. Don't know what it has. I don't know where it plays a part in this book at all. That's hilarious. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a book by Gary Janetti. Do you follow him on Instagram? Uh-uh. Okay. I did not know who he was. I don't the know The only who he is. time I see him is I follow comments by celebs. Okay. Do you follow mm-hmm. them? Okay. So comments... I'm familiar with the account though. Okay. So he will sometimes appear on that. Especially he must have some kind of relationship with Lisa Renna. Anyway, here <laughs> is the thing. The thing I think I know Gary Janay from, I think, he's a writer and producer. Like, he's written for, uh, I want to say, like, some kind of animated show I'm not interested in and something else. Huh. Um, anyway, what I think I, where I recognize his name is because there are these memes that exist of little Prince George. Okay. Where Prince George kind of has, like, a filthy mouth and, like, is an adult and uh-huh. is always, like, mad at Megan and Kate for, like, stealing his spotlight. Right. Gary writes those. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Now, somebody might come at me and be like, you've got them confused, and that could also follow because that's me in a nutshell. But I think <laughs> that's where I heard Gary Janetti. Then I saw the book. I, like you, thought the title was really clever. Uh-huh. It's super thin, so I took it with me this weekend to read because I knew this mastermind retreat was going to be intense. Yeah. And so I wanted something, something light, light. Something small. Um, finish it this weekend. It's like a celebrity essay collection. Um, not up to par, in my opinion, with like Mindy Kaling, Tina Fey. Mm. But... I mean, what is? Uh, on par with, let's say... Amy Schumer, Anna Kendrick. That follows. Like, <laughs> I did not like that Anna Kendrick book. Yeah, yeah, Anna Kendrick does not come across great in that book. No, it's not good. Um, but to me, kind of the same level. So don't yeah. go into it thinking you're going to get a Tina Fey level yeah. book. But that being said, there is one essay in particular in there where I found myself tearing up because he writes about. So he writes about about growing up gay and coming out uh-huh. and. Then he writes this really weirdly lovely essay about one life to live that I thought was very precious. Like, like really liked it. Um, but he talks about like his fledgling career. The book does not really go in chronological order. It's kind of just this snippets of his life and, um, very enjoyable. Like to me, more enjoyable than Anna Kendrick. Like I liked him as a narrator Mm -hmm. better than I liked Anna Kendrick. Um, but it's one of those books that I know when I look back on 2019, I'll be like, wait, I read, I read that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but that one essay will stick out to me um, because I, my grandmother watched um, As the World Turns uh-huh. and we just, like there's a part of me and I know this is dumb and old fashioned, but like there's a part of me that's a little sad that we don't have these things anymore. The culture has shifted mm-hmm. and I didn't watch those things, but like it's sad to me that they don't exist. And let me tell you where it does exist still. The comic books. <laughs> every Full month, circle. Every month, I get to check in with my favorite characters yeah. who are doing something bonkers. With your story. Yeah, with, with my story. This is a... <laughs> I, 
this is a, a turn of phrase that Kelsey and I've been using a lot lately, where it's just like, it's 10 o'clock. It's time for me to be home and enjoying my stories. Yeah, it's so true. Like, your grandmother used to say that all the time. Um, and I still know, like, characters from As the World Turns from when my grandma used to babysit me. So, mm-hmm. like, I wonder, like, what's Victor up to? Anyway, um... Because of that, and because of a couple of his um, essays where he references what it was like to grow up and to be different, and to know he wanted to be a writer, but to feel like that was impossible, um, I just really appreciate it. So, better than Anna Kendrick, not as good as Tina Fey, uh, but enjoyable. I think, particularly if you're headed on a plane anywhere, um, I think this would be a great plane book. I suspect it would be a good audiobook and great for upcoming holidays with your family. Like if you need a reprieve from your families, this is a good little essay collection. Last one on your list here yes. um, is The Preacher's Wife. Okay, I'm on the last chapter, which is why... There's like, a star next to it. Yes, that. so I'm about to finish this. But I just wanted... You and I maybe talked about this in fall did, book yeah. preview. It is super academic. So I just wanted to clarify for people. I perhaps did not know that. It's a Princeton um, University Press book. Um, very different from what I expected. Yes, okay. so very academic. Like the back third is uh, in notes. However, that's why it's... T- I've read it all month long. Right. I've been reading it forever. Yeah. The chapters are very long. Um, I think there's only five chapters, and there's a lot packed into each. But it's Kate Bowler. Um, this is probably totally different from her book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Been Told. That was about her cancer diagnosis mm. and felt more memoir. This is her academic work. This is clearly what she's been working on forever about the role evangelical women play in evangelical culture. Mm. Um, If you have at all been following the the John MacArthur, Beth Moore mm -hmm. mess, um, then this story would, this book would be appealing to you because it's an academic look at evangelical culture, the role women play, Mm -hmm. which is unique considering what, they interpret scripture to mean by the roles they can play. Um, It is fascinating. Um, And I am learning so much. But I just, it is not um, maybe the light, interesting pop culture-y look. Right. It is more intense academic study study about this. And I am loving it. That's great. Yeah, I am loving it. But just more know academic that going, books, twenty twenty. Yeah, but just go into that knowing that's what it is, and like I knew when I like when I started it, I was like, oh, oh. like even the paper quality <laughs> uh-huh. feels like a textbook. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was like, it's okay. like university press. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, okay, and I just adjusted my expectations, and I've just been reading a few pages every night. Yeah. So anyway, um, really like it, really fascinating, and. Unlike miracles and other reasonable things, the preacher's wife would be interesting no matter where you fall on the religious spectrum, right. um, or what you have, what thoughts you might have about the Christian. Because faith. it is an academic study. Yes, so it's just super interesting. Now, if you grew up in Christian culture, then like the names and stuff are what's interesting because you right. reckon you know it's all recognizable. Right. Anyway, very interesting. Um, I did want to throw out there that I'm reading Born a Crime right now. I wanted to put in a plug for it because it is our next backlist book club, mm-hmm. um, which will release sometime in November. It'll release on November 28th. Perfect. So if you are interested in reading along with us, like you did maybe for East of Eden um, or for, oh gosh, If Beale Street Could Talk or something like that, we are reading Trevor Noah's Born a Crime um, in time for November Backlist Book Club. I want to put in another plug because we are coming up quickly on our 250th episode. And as we do on our big milestone episodes, we would like to hear from you. We would like to make this a mailbag episode. So if there are any specific questions um about books small business life in the south etc 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 
um, that you have for me and or Annie, please email them to me at podcast at bookshelfthomasville.com. Um, we will hopefully um, be able to answer your questions on air. And I'll try to do like an Instagram story. That would be I great. I think we did that last we time. We did and, that and got helpful. many more that way. Because um, I know email can be hard to remember to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exciting stuff coming up. Super exciting. Um, and so that's, uh, that's, that's where we are. of sin. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlearnstrangers.com or find them on Instagram under their current moniker, The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. Um, I'll tell you something we did that was fun. Sure. Uh... The kickstand opened up. Like, oh, yeah, new, finally. Yeah, finally. They, God bless them. They have been waiting so long uh, to, to open. Um, but so we closed for like 10 minutes so we could walk over and all get tacos and then bring them back. And it was just funny to see. It's funny to all travel like as a staff together uh-huh. outside to places. Yeah. And then to see customers who are kind of like, wait. <laughs> like what's what's happening why are you all together and not in the store like people people don't don't know yeah. what to do it's like seeing your teachers maybe yeah Rebecca and I did that when that yogurt place opened. yes yeah and it was just like yeah what are you guys doing together <laughs> it was out super on the weird it was anyway fun. very funny uh, thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week bye